0: Welcome in Rose City to another episode of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. Ryan Clark here with Chris Reifer. And Chris, it was an eventful weekend and midweek for both teams, uh, the Timbers and the Thorns. Uh, how are you feeling as this season
1: draws to a close for uh, for both clubs? Everything is up in the air right now. Uh, you know, and, and, and the results over the weekend sort of kept everything up in the air. Uh, yeah, both teams sort of had, uh, an opportunity you would say to going into those games to, to give themselves a little bit of breathing room. Uh, the thorns I thought played very, very well, uh, and, and did find the goal to go ahead and looked like they were, uh, on the verge, uh, of doing just that. And then they gave up a last minute equalizer. The Timbers were sort of on the opposite end of that end of that experience, where they did not play particularly well. They weathered some storms, uh, and and they kept it within within a goal. Maybe a little bit fortuitous to be able to do that, and then they went and got uh, a, a stoppage time equalizer. So, uh, second half stoppage time was an adventure. Uh, it, it was an adventure that that we felt you know the good and the bad of within just a few hours of each other. Uh, and now I think uh, both teams sort of come out of. What was a really critical weekend? Kind of just thinking, you know, all right, status quo ante bellum. We'll 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 go on to next week, and and it's all to play for still.
0: Yeah, a, a very um, compelling last couple weeks ahead for for both of these teams, and uh, it, it is funny that they kind of experienced the inverse of of that one one draw, right. essentially back to back on Sunday. Uh, I covered both of those games, and and it was a little bizarre to, to see those experiences uh, flipped in that way. And, and it began uh, with the Timbers. Uh, the Timbers were down one zip to Columbus. Columbus did its thing where it, it didn't finish games, which has been a problem for them all season. Didn't defend set pieces very well. Uh, and, you know, Santi Moreno bounced the ball off Bill Tui Loma's face and uh, got it In a position where he was able to rocket one in for for the the draw in in, uh, the dying embers of the match, if you will, uh, to to borrow a phrase from some other uh, soccer folks. But, um, you know, an important result for the Timbers, given the standings situation for them right now. Uh they sit at 5th in the Western Conference with 46 points, uh, one ahead of Minnesota who's got 45 and one behind Nashville in 4th place. Uh right now they would if the playoffs started today go on the road to Nashville and if they won that, uh would face the dreaded LAFC road match in the second game which, you know, given the form LAFC's been in lately, who knows what would potentially happen in a game like that, but uh Portland is, is finding itself in a, in a really strong position with two games to go. Um, clinching scenarios are going to start coming into play soon, but uh, nothing is going to really be clear until the LA Galaxy play their 32nd out of 34 games coming up on Saturday. Um, it, it's... Uh, an interesting road for them to, to finish off, too. They've got LAFC uh, in their next match, uh, the Timbers do, uh, on October 2nd. Uh, that's a noon kickoff. And then one week later in Salt Lake, a game that, you know, if things shake out a certain way, could potentially decide which of those two teams gets into the postseason period, uh, Which which would be a... An interesting matchup. I, I think that RSL hurt itself a bit, uh, not getting the uh the kind of result that one might expect uh, against DC United on September 10th, then they lost yeah. to Austin, uh, and then they lost to Cincinnati. So they're really not finishing the way that they need to in order to to give themselves a proper chance at the postseason. Uh the Galaxy, given the fact that they have a game in hand, uh and uh are just three points back of Portland is somebody that you could totally see passing the Timbers uh, by the end of this deal. Uh Minnesota's hanging around uh, and Nashville is, is, you know, obviously busy with, with a lot of games that don't matter to, to MLS standings, <laughs> but um, playing friendlies but, against Clube America. Yeah, yeah. Playing, playing friendlies and, and whatnot during the most important time of the year. But um they they certainly are going to be there and Hani Mukhtar is is in my opinion uh, going to win MLS MVP based on his play this year. Uh, yep. Drius Driussi would probably be another one that would be in contention, but I, I think it's it's definitely going to be Mukhtar once once everything shakes out. So it's it's been a really um, interesting couple of weeks for for the Western Conference. Things have tightened up even more than they already were. It's it's sort of the uh the 4 through 8 spot in the west is kind of looking like the the 1 through 7 in the NWSL a little bit right now given given the craziness as this season winds down.
1: Yeah, and the week off for MLS this next weekend uh puts this conversation a little bit on ice. Um uh, but look, next weekend is huge. It's huge for the Timbers uh obviously who uh who have LAFC coming to Portland. LAFC has been basically unbeatable at Bank of California Stadium, but they've been quite a bit more beatable uh, on the road and have dropped some results on the road recently. But you know, nobody thinks that's going to be an easy game because of just the immense amount of talent uh, that LAFC has at the top of, uh, of the roster that is just orders of magnitude beyond what the Timbers have at the top of the roster. And so that's going to be a challenging game basically regardless. The Timbers don't have a player who can go get a goal like a Gareth Bale can, like a Carlos Vela can, uh, they don't have anybody like that, uh, and uh, and so it's going to be need to be a complete team performance, and it's going to you know to invoke Jason Kreiss, uh circa what like two thousand nine, uh, it's going to have to be the the team is the star moment uh, in order for the Timbers to get a result. And looking ahead to that weekend, it's it's a really critical weekend for the Timbers to win that game. Because everybody else around them has pretty easy games. Nashville is has Houston at home. That's gonna be, you know, I mean, no game is a kickover, but that's pretty close to a kickover. Uh, Minnesota goes on the road to San Jose. San Jose is is well down and out. Yes, it's a road game, but that's one that you'd think that they should be able to to handle uh, LA galaxy, uh, in what I think you can, you, you know, we should probably spend some mental energy over the course of the next, uh, seven days or so trying to, to, to come uh, up with a good name for this game. Uh, I think you can call it the Hindenburg bowl, uh, the self-immolation bowl, uh, the, 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 the meltdown, uh, the meltdown classic, whatever you want to call it. They've got a home game against RSL two teams that are just absolutely in a tailspin, um, And it's kind of the, okay, which, which team is going to, uh, arrest their tails been enough to win this game. Uh, but yeah, but look, you know, I mean, RSL has been one of the worst teams in the league in the second half of the season. Um, and, uh, they are a team that is, that is essentially resting almost entirely, uh, on what they did in the, in the first half. And, and they've sunk now down to eighth. And I think there's not a lot of reason to think that they're not going to keep sinking. It's a team. They're, they're just bad. Um, this isn't surprising <laughs> despite making the Western conference championship last year, uh, bafflingly RSL was also not good <laughs> in 2021. Uh, and when they came to Portland, I mean, what the, the, the Timbers outscored RSL in their four games, uh, against them last year, something like 16 to four. Um, and, and that was reflective of what RSL was. It was as a team and a shorthanded Timbers team kicked over RSL in the Western conference final last year. Um, and so RSL is, is once in a while in sort of these positions to be a factor in the playoffs, but they've always been a paper tiger and they're very much showing it now. Uh, frankly, I think you can say a lot of the same things about LA Galaxy right now too. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it, it's pretty easy to see all or most of the teams around the Timbers in the playoff race taking full points next weekend, uh, which just makes it that much more important That The Timbers, who have a much more complicated match uh, against LAFC, it just makes it that much more important for the Timbers to find a way to do the same. Uh, And if they do, then I think the Timbers probably feel pretty great uh, heading into decision day at the aforementioned melting down uh, RSL team Uh, that that may well even be out of playoff contention by then. It's easy to see uh, if results go the way they do. RSL, uh, if the Timbers take full points, if RSL loses at LA uh, and if Minnesota wins, RSL's done. Over. They don't hold the tiebreaker. They can't hold the tiebreaker against LA Galaxy. Uh, they could only tie the Galaxy on points uh, and they couldn't catch anybody else on points in decision day. And, and the absolute best case scenario going into decision day is to be playing against a team for whom it means nothing and especially a team for whom it means nothing and is in the midst of a tailspin. Um so you know I mean you look at these at, at these results uh and and it's a critical one for the timbers to find a way to win uh against LFC which will be challenging. Um uh, you know and and sort of shifting our gaze back to the Columbus game. The I mean in many ways it was sort of reflective of how the last several weeks have gone for the timbers i i think in many many respects and in many respects that matter quite frankly the timbers were pretty bad in this game they didn't create a lot which has been a chronic problem i guess technically they did score their first goal from the run of play in about a month um because because that's the santi's goal in second half stoppage time Uh, was from the run of play, even though it was kind of a weird game state because the Timbers were, you know, I mean, Bill Loma was in the box. They were throwing everybody forward to try to find that goal. So it wasn't sort of like a, we created a goal from like, you know, genuinely the run of play, but technically from a statistical perspective, I can no longer say they haven't scored a goal from the run of play in a yeah, month. Yeah,
0: no, I, I had that written into my story before. I had to massively rewrite it once uh, once <laughs> Santi hit that goal. Right. It was like it was like this is what happens when you don't you know score out of out of a set piece and you're this Timbers team. It's it's it was how what we saw. How else yeah. are you going to do it? They 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 did not have anybody that was even really much of a threat throughout the game. Jimmy Chara had the best chances of anybody. And how do chances go when they fall to Jimmy Chara? they they don't uh they don't go in the goal. He has not scored in
1: like what 18 games or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 He's been a, a struggle for DP, him and he hasn't scored in like half a season.
0: Right, and and that's one of the issues that the, this team is absolutely going to have to address this off season. You you did your uh tweet with the uh player A, B and C and and him being the one with uh, zero goals and five assists. You know, good for him notching a few assists, but also you're an attacking DP. Right? In the last so, 15
1: games, that's 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 nothing to hang your hat on if you're an attacking DP. Yeah. Um, and it's not like he has been a consistent danger man with those assists. Frankly, I was a little bit surprised when I went when I went and pulled together those numbers. I was like, ah, five is more than I remember. Yeah. Uh, it seemed generous. The last. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um. I mean, you compare him to some somebody like Santiago Moreno, who has been a you know one of the Timbers. He and Eric Williamson are, if it's not going through them, it's not going through anybody, um, right now. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, he, he has, uh, he doesn't quite have have as many assists uh, over that time as, as Santi, but it's close. And I was closer than I expected it. Um, but yeah, so player A, who, uh, I guess, I, I I guess I can just, you know, pull up, pull up the tweet so I can accurately characterize it instead of, instead of just mischaracterizing something that I've already said. Um, but player A was Santiago Moreno. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, he, he's got, uh, six goals and five assists, uh, over his last 15 player B was Jimmy Chara, who has zero goals and five assists over his last 15. Uh, and player C was, was Yaroslav Nishgoda, who has four goals and two assists over his last 15 games.
0: Right. And, and those, uh those goals all came within like a three game stretch, if I That's remember right. correctly. And, and since yeah. then
1: it's been, you know, it's been the Atacama desert of, uh, of, of scoring from the, well, they just TV don't put strike. them in
0: really either yeah. and, anymore. I mean, they, they've just gotten to a point um, Gio has where he, after the KC game, he just kind of stopped pretending, right? Like he, <laughs> he was like, okay, you know, Van Rankin, you're never going in. This and, and, and uh, Nizgoda, you're, you're going to, come in maybe for like the last 20 minutes max uh but even then you know we have other options like Marvin Luria that we can throw in there and then shift some guys around uh and and has been has been good so like you know you got to just kind of roll with him even if it's you know the only option you have and then you know Fogas has been injured so you haven't really had
1: had the extra option and I agree that, that Aspria deserves a lot of credit for the work that he's put in over the last several weeks, but he's not a striker. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we see it now. We've seen it before. Um, this isn't a role that suits him particularly well, uh, which isn't a, a, a knock on him. It's just not, I mean, he's, he's a winger, right? Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, it's not a role that suits him particularly well, but he's, he's. You know, he's done everything that you could reasonably ask of him. But the fact that you have a DP striker who can't get in the starting lineup when his only sort of kind of roster construction competition for that spot, Felipe Mora, is out for the season. Um and has basically been supplanted in the lineup by a guy who's a winger. Um and frankly, who until recently when he's found, you know, opportunities to uh to make a difference on set pieces and the like, really hadn't even been having a great season in his own right. Um the fact that that Nishkota can't win that starting spot, that's all you need to know. I mean that's all you need to say. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for him for
0: the offseason. You know, this is this is not us reporting this information, but but I I I feel confident generally in terms of uh Nizgota not being in the picture next season. Uh same, same goes for Van Rankin who was signed through the remainder of this season. Uh it, it is difficult to imagine those two guys in the picture and and I could see them keeping Yimmy but restructuring his contract to a point where they can reopen that DP spot. Um don't ask, that, don't ask Don't ask. me, me how challenging, to explain though. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that'll be challenging, though, because his transfer fee was about six and a half million dollars. Uh, and it was pretty significant. And that's going to be amortized over the, the the length of his contract for purposes of salary cap uh, calculations. And it's just really hard when you have a transfer fee that that's that high, uh, assuming what's been reported is accurate. And I have no reason to believe it isn't. Uh, it's really hard. To figure out a way to get out from under those th- th- that that salary cap burden and to get him under that that sort of uh, max tam threshold, maybe there's a way to do it. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it is. I think his contract is guaranteed for next year. I think that's previously been reported that he's not among the players for whom there's an option that would be sort of the one way. Uh, but generally yeah, that's correct. But generally, you know, if you've got a six and a half million dollar uh, transfer fee and you've got uh, a four years guaranteed on the contract, that $6.5 million for cap purposes is going to be spread over those four years. So that's about $1.6, $1.7 million right there in cap hit over four years. Plus you have his salary on top of that. And what the max tan threshold right now is like, it's like 1.7, right? And so like, you're there, what are you going to do? I mean, he's locked into that DP spot over the, the guaranteed term of that contract. Uh, and if you buy him out, you can't resign him. And so I, I, think it's, it's, it's really difficult, um, to see a way where the Timbers would be able to, maybe, there, maybe there's, there's some wizardry to be done, um, where, where they could do that, uh, for, for 2023 that, that I don't see, but sitting here, uh, knowing what I know about MLS rules, I don't see how it can happen. Um, Is there
0: a way that they could, they could tick Sebastian Blanco's contract down a little bit to make yes. it easier? Okay.
1: So so Blanco is capable of being his I think his his contract his, what they re-signed him to is uh is sort of at that max TAM threshold or a little bit under it. So conceivably he can be bumped down. But they and to to free up a DP spot. But and here's the big but uh is if you do that then because the the Timbers have three U22 initiative players, one of the DPs that they would sign has to be a young DP, which means I think under 23. Uh although I'd have to go back and and, and refresh on that. Um uh, because you can't have three senior DPs, all of whom w- are not able to be are not able able to be sort of uh put into the max TAM category and also have three U-22 initiative players. The only way the Timbers are able to have three U22 initiative players right now with three senior DPs is because Blanco and his contract is capable of being uh, put down into the max tam category. That's, that's a long way of saying you can't free up a DP spot with Blanco while retaining Jimmy Chara and then go out and sign two senior DPs. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I, I, that's why I think there's a, a, pretty significant chance that that the timbers are going to get to the offseason they're probably thinking about this already and if they feel like they want to go get two senior dps which they should that is that should be the goal to find a way to do that because you look at the other pieces on this team santi moreno eric williamson you you can go down the line this is a team that can compete if they've got quality at the top of the roster and so they should be going and looking for guys who are plug and play game changers oh they should be looking for for a striker, a DP striker who is a plug and play game changer. They should be looking for another DP attacking midfielder whether it's somebody who's going to play in the middle uh or who's going to have a little bit wider starting point, uh who's going to be a plug and play game changer. And typically when you're doing that, you're not going to be looking for a guy who's 21, 22 years old. Oh, uh, and so they yeah, should I be think looking a num- for a number DPs. 10. Yes.
0: No, a number yeah. 10 would be would would be the ideal like starting point you know you can
1: and then obviously the striker is major too yep and and you know especially 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 given uh you, that it's going to be a long difficult path back for Felipe Mora. um with some uncertainty at the end of that long difficult path back uh I think I think it's a no-brainer uh with respect to the striker but given that they the goal should be for them to go get two senior game-changing DPs the, the this offseason, I think one of the things that they have to be looking at is whether it is possible to move on Jimmy Chara. And that is a really fraught proposition for a few reasons, not the least of which being you've got a club legend whom, who at, you know, the age of what, 36, 37 now is still playing at a, an extremely high level in central midfield who you would like to be the kind of guy who you say you are here as long as you want to be here. Um, uh, who is his brother (laughs) and how is that going to work? Uh, I I, I know nothing. I have no inside information whatsoever about how that dynamic is, but you can see how it would at least in theory be fraught. Um, and there's just the more practical consideration, of the fact that it's often hard to move a guy at Jimmy Chara's age and at his performance level, which is not super high. Um, and at his salary. Uh it's sometimes hard to move a guy like that on. Um. And so I think the Timbers need to figure out how they're going to do it. And I imagine they are already figuring out how they're going to do it and they're, they're they're making plans and they're figuring out how it's going to go. But I think that's a that's a high order requirement for the offseason, because as when you look at that Columbus game, there just weren't chances to be had there. They weren't sharpening them. They weren't ripening their chances. I think they defended generally pretty well. I don't think it was. A, it wasn't a shooting gallery in front of uh Eva goal by any means. Um, I think the Timbers stuck in that game against a Columbus team that has some really legit attacking talent. Uh, Lucas Ellerayon and, and and Cucho Hernandez are are two really 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 good players, um, and they've got they they've got other guys who can hurt you. Kevin Molino did, uh, and and I thought the Timbers managed that overall pretty well, and and that kept him in the game, and it kept him in a game in which they weren't creating almost anything, and what they did create was falling falling to guys who can't finish. So yeah, no, it's
0: it's it's. Definitely the priority for the offseason. Those those two positions. Uh, it, it you you can't continue this way it's it, it's not like this this stuff that we're talking about is new these are issues that we have been discussing since pretty much the beginning of the season the lack of a true consistent threat in the attacking third i, I think that your most consistent threat lately has been santiago moreno and he's a guy who's just really coming into his own he's not yeah. somebody that is an established superstar type player for in mls he's he's coming but into he's his playing own. pretty close to it He's he's getting there. Yeah, I think six goals, five assists
1: over his last fifteen games. That's that's pretty dang good. That is
0: shoot as you would say
1: that is shoot that goes on the resume. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. He, uh, he's a guy that I think next year could absolutely explode and, and, you know, come into a a star type role. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, signing two senior DPs. Uh, I think that with a guy like Santi in the picture, you could get away with one senior DP and then maybe a, a big money, younger guy, uh, that can, you know, Compete with Santi for for being that kind of second star type of player because he 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 has proven that he's he's got the ability. So, but you
1: want the elephant in the room on that one? What's that, Chief? Has he played well enough that some Bundesliga club or La Liga club or somebody like that is going to come calling for him in the winter? I, if yeah. I was one of those clubs and, and and I had five, ten, maybe maybe more dollars that I wanted to spend on a uh, a positionally flexible, young, creative attacking player. Yeah, he'd be on my list. And, he does love and
0: Manchester United. He's he a does. huge Man
1: U guy. For, you know, I mean, uh, you know, people have uh, have have family background reasons why why they support certain. But, you know, I mean, hey, uh, I, Man U would not be one that I would choose recently uh, based on, on recent form. But in any event, like there are lots of clubs in good leagues with lots of economic prowess that you would think would be interested in a guy like Santi Moreno, given the way he's played. Um, and even notwithstanding all of the other circumstances around them, the Timbers need to be aggressive in entertaining offers like that when they come in for players like Santi Moreno. Um, that is really important for the long-term health of the club that they show that they are able to bring players like Moreno in, develop them, and then move them on to, to greener financial and maybe literal pastures. Oh, and, and so, and, and so, you know, that, that's the other like potential variable out there. If they start getting good offers for Santi Moreno and you'd think they probably will, especially if they make a playoff run with, with, with Moreno being the primary source of danger on the team, they should get offers and they should entertain them, which makes a, an off season in which you're already searching for two high level senior attacking DPs, just that more complicated because now you probably have to replace, uh, your, your best full time attacking player, uh, from the previous season as well. Yeah. Uh, that, so. that would
0: be a tough scenario. I hope they can hang on to him for another year, but you know, that that's an inevitability when, when you've got a, a young, talented player making his way in MLS. It's it's he he's, he's looking upward and he'd be he foolish be. not to, you know, he's, he's got the ability, I, and, I think to make and the that. Type should of be jump. looking
1: upward along with him too. Uh, the Timbers at times in the past, and for reasons that in each individual situation you can justify, but the Timbers at times in the past have tried to be very selective in the time to move players on, and it's burned them. And so I think there just needs to be a broader recognition that the time to move a player like that on is when you get a good offer. And it's and the, the long-term benefits of that economic and otherwise are greater than the short-term downsides of moving a player for whom you, you, you know, would like to have short-term production out of, uh, from, from losing them in in the short term. And so the time to the the right time to, to make a move like that is when you get an offer.
0: Right. It's just, it's tough to do when, when you, you know, have such this narrow, this narrow focus on on contending and, and making the most of your window and stuff. You know, you mentioned having guys like uh like Eric Williamson and others who um are, are coming into their prime right at this moment and who also um share the field with older guys like Sebastian Blanco and and Diron Espria and others who um, and Diego Chara who are at the tail end here uh, and, and you want to make use of of those guys as much as you've invested in them uh, a, as long as you can. But uh, in the short term, you know, you know narrowing the focus a little bit, LAFC at, at noon uh, on October 2nd at Providence Park. That game's on ABC for people who uh, cannot make it out. Then the Timbers finish the season off at Real Salt Lake, October 9th. 2 p.m. Pacific time, uh, that one will be on Fox Twelve Plus. Can,
1: can we zoom out on the Timbers real quick before we move on to what I think is a more important topic in the Thorns? But just yes, zoom out.
0: Absolutely. Oh, uh,
1: because I I, you know, listeners to this podcast and and followers on Twitter and the like will not be uh surprised to find out that I have been quite pessimistic about this Timbers team, even notwithstanding the recent results. Uh that I don't think that they have uh have a lot of the aptitude uh, to to be a serious contender in the playoffs. uh and i think you know what what they are accomplishing now getting a kind of a middling playoff spot in the west while better than not uh isn't necessarily something that is that is you know m- worth celebrating. There is a counterpoint. And <laughs> that counterpoint is very straightforward and our and and old friend of the podcast Mike Donovan put it out there very recently. Uh, That in the MLS Western Conference standing since June 1st, uh, LAFC, who's played 18 games in that stretch, is on 33 points. Uh, And first, the Portland Timbers, who have played 17, so one fewer games in that stretch, is second on 31 points. So, you know, there's at least a pretty straightforward argument (laughs) that, that I'm out to lunch. Uh and, and and you know, whatever the 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 eye test says, this is a long stretch in which the Timbers have been one of the best teams in the league. Period. So I want to ask you, am I out to lunch? Am I am I just just a, a, a negative Nelly uh who is trash talking a team uh that has that has gone on a nearly four-month run of excellent form? Uh, And, and I'm just, I'm just sitting here, you know, uh, throwing dirt at at what has been otherwise a Mona Lisa of a second half. Look,
0: it's, it's sort of inherent in our, in our blood and minds as Portlanders to be, you know, inherently pessimistic. I, I think that, you know, you can't live in a a state that eight months out of the year has gray skies without at least possessing some level of, you know, pessimistic disposition. Right. Um, I, I think the eye test Definitely doesn't mean that you're out to lunch. You know, you look at them and you say, okay, this is a team with a lot of, you know, older players that are a little bit past their prime. They're kind of at the tail end of their contention window. They've got some young, exciting players, but the consistency in terms of their contribution isn't quite there. Um, I won't say that you're out to lunch. I would say that you've been invited out to lunch, and you're kind of, you know, <laughs> strolling gleefully I'm, through I'm, the city. I'm I on my
1: way to lunch.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're on your way to lunch because this Timbers team has proven people of that pessimistic ilk wrong several times in the last several years, including last season. You know, uh, this is a this is a team that uh, didn't get these level of contributions out of uh, guys like Santiago Moreno last season uh, didn't have Eric Williamson last season, and yet they still made a run to MLS Cup and inexplicably were a few kicks away from having another one in their trophy case. And and we'd be talking about the reigning MLS Cup champs, right? So I, I think that as has become clear in the last several weeks the western conference is way more wide open than anybody thought it was i think that you know people have treated lafc and and rightfully so given the caliber of players that they have as this sort of inevitable monster at the top of the table but I really, you know, given how many changes they've made and how much fluctuation ex- has existed in their franchise, I don't think they're unbeatable. I, I think that a team like the Timbers could screw around and and go down to LA in a, a second round game and win the thing 1 0 on some ridiculous set piece situation where they've like barely survived all game. Ivacic has like thrown his body around and like broken several limbs to make saves. And and they're in this situation late where it's zero zero and they somehow pull one out of their hat. This is what this team does. So I I think that there's room for you to to you know allow the imagination to wander a little bit when it comes to this <laughs> team. But but I I understand the the general sense of cynicism and the general practicality of thinking you know on paper that this Timbers team is is not as good as maybe some of its other Western Conference counterparts.
1: Yeah, I, I I still remain of the perspective that I don't think this is the 2021 Timbers team. Uh, I think there are pretty material differences. I, th- I think the 2021 Timbers team had a Sebastian Blanco who in that second half was playing at an MVP level. Uh, I think they also had very clear ideas about how they were going to create chances and they executed those ideas. And you could see over the course of games that they were creating chances that way and they were a dangerous team. Even when they weren't necessarily bossing games, they were dangerous because they they got they, they got they they had a couple ways of uh, of scoring they would be pretty vicious in playing behind uh, opponent fullbacks and, and playing on the on the counterattack when 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 opponents stretched, them, stretched themselves uh and then even when opponents didn't stretch themselves they got really good at playing direct and then looking to play off second balls and really just hunting second balls uh, and 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 creating chances uh by repressing uh that way uh, that that I think were were very clear and very effective ideas that they carried throughout the entire second half and into the playoffs. I don't see that with this team, but I also, recognize that there are some very basic very challenging facts for from my point of view on this timbers team uh and and uh I agree with you even though I am still walking to lunch and I am still planning on ordering a burrito I I I have some doubts about whether that is the the the, the right way to go uh and the right choices to to make in my life
0: yeah, your stomach might be rumbling. You know, you might have eaten something the day before that. You know, maybe, is, is causing a little upset. Maybe I you a should just upset. do a grab
1: and go salad and go back to my desk.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should probably go for the greens. Is is probably the the smart choice. But you know, the the c'est la vie choice in this situation is to just go get a burrito and say screw it, enjoy the damn burrito. Yolo, I'm dying on this hill. There's your episode title. Enjoy the damn burrito. <laughs> uh, we will move on to me, enjoy
1: the dang burrito.
0: Yes, excuse. This is a family show. I'm, I apologize deeply <laughs> sorry, to sorry, to goodness. all of our eight year old listeners. Um, <laughs> the 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 Portland Thorns, uh, they are uh, in a position now where they control their own destiny for the NWSL Shield. They are atop the NWSL standings, having clinched a spot in the playoffs with thirty five points, nine wins. Eight draws and three losses on the season. A plus 22 goal differential, which dwarfs anybody else in the league. Uh, The next best is San Diego with a plus 11. Uh, Tight standings, so no room for error in these final two games, but the math is simple for them. They win against Chicago and they win against Gotham. They've got their second consecutive NWSL shield. There are things that can happen that can make that road a little easier, give them a, a slight amount of breathing room, but those things have to happen to multiple teams. OL Rain, San Diego, Houston, Kansas City, all within Absolute hunger teams. T- yeah, I mean, it's a hunger game situation in the in the NWSL right now. Uh, and and it's crazy um that that Portland just now clinched despite having two games left and controlling their own destiny for the shield and now and,
1: being atop the table the the table leader only clinched making the playoffs with two games to go
0: nuts absolutely nuts so that that's indicative of, of the parody of nwsl of the excitement that this season has brought uh i don't think that necessarily translates to playoff results though i think it's exciting as far as um you know who's going to be where as the season winds down but i i do think that you know the, the Portland team that, that we've seen, San Diego, and then to uh, a lesser extent, O.L. Rain and Kansas City, um, those are the contenders to me. I, I think that Chicago has has dropped off slightly from, from that range. I think that Houston is, has overperformed a little bit uh, this year, but is, is a team to definitely watch out for. Uh, and then Angel City is hanging around there too, uh, but they don't have Kristen Press, so they, they aren't really the full version of what they can be. Uh, it's, I, I just feel like there's, there's tears still in
1: NWSL
0: right now. Uh, Portland. T I
1: E R S not T E A R S. Although yes. there's probably going to be some of the latter as well over the last couple there of years.
0: There will be plenty in the playoffs as, as things get crazy and emotional, I'm sure. But, um, the, the thorns and, and wave, I feel like are the top tier, uh, the second tier.
1: I think the rain are in there too.
0: Yeah. And I think the rain are right on that edge. I would put them at the yeah. top of the second tier, uh of teams right there with kansas city um and then you look at the rest houston chicago and angel city i think would be the third tier with north carolina surging in the second part of the season but not quite gonna make it just given the math right now um good for them to carry some momentum into next season though given how difficult the start of the year was for them Uh, but this thorns team um they they kind of screwed around a little bit in the first half against Louisville didn't really finish their chances uh and looked a little bit like their counterparts in the timbers as far as uh, you know finishing off those chances the difference is they created 15 shots in that first half or 16
1: they just dominated the game.
0: They purely dominated the game. It was like 12-0 in shots up until a point where Moultrie got a ridiculous unearned yellow card and the, the handball uh, <laughs> situation that led to to the set piece that hit the crossbar. That would have been nuts for Louisville to go up 1-0 at the half on something like that. It yes. would have made the anger in the, in the building directed towards the officials that much more vitriolic, and it would not have been a pleasant experience for the Thorns who probably would have came out in the second half and won the game anyway, but you know, they, they did their thing in reality came out in the first 15 minutes of the half and scored three goals. Uh, one of them was, a, a amazing dime of a pass from Kelly Hubley ahead to, to Sophia Smith, who is a, an easy person to, to toss it ahead to, cause she's got the speed, uh, pure finish, faked the goalkeeper out of her boots, uh, knocked it in with ease. That was cruel. Uh, yeah. That was pure cruelty on the part of a, a person like, that has exacted it, a lot of it on NWSL
1: opponents and, this year. And, and Like, you know, Soph has had a, a, a rough couple of weeks. Uh, both in terms of goal goal scoring and other things that that I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point. Yeah. It looked like she was taking out all that frustration where it's just like, I, I'm sorry, I just have to victimize somebody. Um, and, and so I'm sorry that you are the person who is, who's in this moment in this spot, but, but you are going to receive the brunt of my frustrations.
0: No doubt, and we will get to that for sure. Uh, the frustrations and and what have led to them for her. Uh, Sam Coffey scores a minute later, uh, first NWSL goal for and her, great goal. Yeah, and and she has been so good all season that uh, I'm surprised she d- hasn't had more, just given how integral she's been. But she's she's been the setup person for so so many of the great goals this year for this team. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, you know it it wasn't really mentioned. Uh, last night, but it, it is something to note that this is now a, a club record for goals in a season. Uh, for the Thorns, uh, they've got 43. Uh, the previous record was 40. They they tied it twice and, and were tied a third time with it prior to this match. So, Soph's goal, uh, where where she uh Broke through with all of her frustrations, uh, was the one that broke the record. So congrats to this Thorns team for for a club record in goals and continuing to add to it with two games to go. Uh Can they get to 50? We'll see how Gotham yeah, – uh we'll got, see how that game goes. If, if Gotham decides to show up or not is the dependent factor just, there. Just
1: set the league record for consecutive losses, Gotham, I think. Yes.
0: Yeah. They're in the dumps. So that's a nice one to have as your little cushion at the end of the season, but also makings of a trap game.
1: So, you know, you got to be careful. Don't screw around. You know, can, can the last game of the season that you have to win in order to win the shield? Is it possible for that to be a trap game? Yeah. I mean, for me, a trap game is when you're, when you have like a, an ostensibly easy game on the schedule that you're looking beyond. I, I, I will say, I'll, I'll say this. It is a team against a, a a poorer opponent that the Thorns will, uh, at one way or the other, still be in the Shield race, regardless of the the outcome of the the Red Stars game. They will still be contending for the the Shield, at least in theory, uh, in that last game. Uh, if 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 they fall into that trap, that is like the soccer equivalent of like walking under a box that is like tied to a piece of string with like a sign that says cheese in here. Um, uh, it is not a good trap. <laughs> it is a trap that should be very easily avoidable. It's a it's a wily
0: coyote type of situation where he walks under a piano and like the the roadrunner's got like a pair of scissors like and he's hiding around the corner like with the that's right and that's the piano is visible.
1: extremely vi- visible and as is the roadrunner with the scissors. This is all like extremely visible. Yeah, there's uh, somebody
0: up there playing the piano. You can hear it, and it's like a but
1: yes. No, it I, is a it, poorly drawn tunnel on the side of a cliff. It is, uh, it, is it is, not a good trap. <laughs> I'll yeah, put it so, that way.
0: So, you know, you can get in your own head with stuff like that was the point that I, I was trying to make as, as far as that goes. You got to be careful in games like that. The, I think the Thorns for the first half against Louisville were a little bit in their own heads. They started to get a little anxious uh as the as the game went on Uh, i believe it was kelly hubley last night that that mentioned that you know when the thorns don't score when they don't finish these chances they do get a little bit anxious because this is a team that expects to score goals They, they didn't break the the club record for no reason they expect to score multiple goals in every game uh just given the talent that they have up top and given how they have executed rean wilkinson's system so far um but that Chicago game is the first one on the schedule for the Thorns. They've got to play them on Sunday, uh, 1 PM Fox 12 plus and Paramount plus. And then, um, October 1st, they finish up in New York, uh, at Red Bull arena against Gotham FC. Uh, that is going to kick off 3 PM Pacific on Fox 12 plus and Paramount plus, uh, two huge ones for, for the team. Um, regardless of, of how things shake out and, and, I think that Sophia Smith made a, a, an interesting point last night during her postgame presser, talking about how the team feels a sort of mental refreshment right now, despite the fact that they're in this very difficult part of their season. And Rian Wilkinson expanded on it by saying, you know, the NWSL is so out of control and so unpredictable that it actually makes it easier for them not to care about the, the only games. thing that's worth
1: thinking about is what you can control. Exactly. Cause everything and that's else what, that's is just what like said. mayhem.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so chaotic that like, you know, I, I think that's actually a very good philosophy for life right now, given, <laughs> given the time <laughs> yes. that we find ourselves in and, and given the, you know, worldly issues that continue to swirl around us in, in hurricane form and like chaotic nature. Um, it's just it's it's a crazy time in terms of both literal hurricanes and natural disasters and and climate and everything else that that people have to worry about And obviously our thoughts go out to the people in Puerto Rico and everywhere else that are that are dealing with those issues um, but but metaphorical storms too in terms of the you know, general issues that our country faces politically and everything else. It's, it's just, it's not a terribly easy time to be like alive and online. Right. So um, the, the philosophy that the thorns are, are possessing with regard to their much, um, much simpler uh, situation of just being a professional soccer team um, is good. And I think that is one that a lot of people should adopt that you should really focus on controlling what you can control um, and and let the rest of the chips really fall where they may as as far as the um, everything else
1: goes. And, and I think I think that's exactly the right approach for the Thorns to be taking into these last couple of weeks, because I mean, the way I sort of see the way the table has shaken out in the last week or so is that we've almost finally, finally, much later than you'd expect, had the contenders separated from the pretenders and granted the margin by which they've been separated is is razor thin still uh but you know I mean we've we've sort of talked about it on on this podcast over the course of the season just to the eye test the three best looking teams in Nwsl have been the thorns the wave and the rain even and that was the case even when the rain weren't getting results uh they just looked like a really good really formidable opponent and now that has started to reflect, in the results as they've gotten some players back. Uh, they've made some signings, uh, but they've also just started to get some of the results that they've, that, that, you know, they missed out, they were missing out on earlier in the season. And I think sort of stepping back to the Kansas city game, I think it was a question given the results that Kansas city had, had, had been getting recently. Uh, and they were top of the table. I think even going into that game, if I remember remember, right? The standings have changed so many times (laughs) that it's, it's hard to recall exactly where they were on any particular day or time. Oh, but they, they kind of looked like, okay, you know, is this Kansas city team for real? And I think in losing to the red stars and then coming home. And even though they, they, they squeaked out the draw by getting that set piece and, and hitting it in, in, in second half stoppage time, they got, they got punked by the thorns watching that game there was one good team on the field and there was one not very good team on the field and the thorns were the good team the thorns were the team that you looked at and said yeah that team can win a championship
0: yeah and there was a third team that uh, some people yeah uh, on well, the internet would argue had a greater
1: influence on the final result the absolute worst have. team <laughs> <laughs> uh and and yeah i mean if there's if there is a, a one team that would rival gotham for the bottom of the table, it would be that third team that was on, on the field and has been on the field pretty consistently, uh, over the course of the NWSL season. And we can talk about that. Let's talk about the thorns and what they can control, uh, for, for a moment. Yes, um, and, and so I, I thought that th- that game was just visually revealing for that point, uh, where there was one team there that, that looked like it could go win a championship. And it was the Thorns. And I think that was that was important for the Thorns because they'd had some performances recently that I think we were very sure about that over the course of much of the summer. There were a couple performances that when they lost those couple games in a row, where they frankly didn't look that great. Uh that game against the wave, they got pretty well outplayed by the wave at home. And yes, they had a really difficult turnaround. Uh, but both the games at the courage and against the wave at home, I I think created some genuine doubts and those are doubts now that the thorns by focusing on what what they can control uh and putting in the performance that they have over the last couple weeks a drama free win over the pride uh a dominant and unfortunate draw at the current and now a dominant and and after the hour drama free win over rossing louisville Uh, I, I didn't get my chance to do it last time. I had to do it this time. Uh, (laughs) you know, the,
0: the, the scoreboard at Providence park had, had racing up there. And, and you were the first person I thought of that. Like, if you were sitting right there next to me, you would have been like, oh, it says Rossing, Rossing on on the scoreboard, uh,
1: a, a, a drama free after the hour, uh, uh, win over Louisville. Uh, i i mean those are the those that puts those doubts to rest right the thorns are absolutely a contender they haven't gotten nearly as much media uh as say the wave have or even Angel city uh but the thorns are are clearly among the elite in nwsl they are currently the favorites to win the shield and i think they should probably be the favorites Although certainly not prohibitive favorites by any means, uh, but but the, the the favorites by a plurality uh, to to take the title at the end of the playoffs, and and you know if they do the things that they can control, uh, if they beat uh, on the weekend uh, a Red Stars team that I think the Thorns are better than, although the Red Stars are going to be more rested, uh, but if the, the the Thorns can 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 take care of business at home against the Red Stars uh, then I think they're going to be well on their way. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it is the latest in a, in a series of, of critical games, the red stars, the red stars are a pretty good team. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're, they're good enough to, uh, to be serious title contenders, uh, but they're a solid team. And, and if you don't play well, if you don't perform, uh, in, in the ways that you can control. And if you don't take care of those things, that is a red stars team that can beat you. I'm not sure Louisville could, no definitely but, but not. the red stars can uh and so and so you know i i think the the thorns ha- have to do it but look i mean you see the the performances out of sam coffee her i i spent a lot of time last night against Louisville watching coffee because i think she w- she was just brilliant in the game and the thing that just and there are lots of things that that i think make coffee a very exciting player for the thorns going forward for the women's national team going forward uh including the tempo with which she plays which is just great it's awesome it's exactly what you want to see from the six that she has very clear ideas about where she wants to go with the ball she does it quickly she does it precisely um the tempo with which she plays is great but the thing that that just stuck out to me that is uncanny given the period of time in which she's been playing this position and her youth is her maturity. She is a mature, smart number six, and she knows when to push on. She knows when to sit in, in the hole. She knows when, uh, she needs to cover. She won a great header last night, um, in defense, Uh, in, 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 in a moment, I am totally blanking, uh, in, in which Jess McDonald actually looked like she was in a pretty good spot in the box and Sam coffee, here she is coming, stepping back to help the back line, to win this header against a, a, a a good forward who has scored a lot of goals in this league and has won a lot of headers like that. Here's Sam coffee stepping in to win it. Of note, she is still like
0: playing out of her natural position. She was a forward in college. So she was not a number six, like
1: hit Here, here's by any the thing. stretch. They they have now found her natural position. Yes, this is she it. is yeah. an elite number six, and she it, she plays it with a maturity that is way beyond her years. And frankly, the thing that I was that I was thinking is I was I was looking at this and and watching her performance last night. Is if the thorns didn't have like five other obvious captains on their team. I think a coach would put the armband on Sam coffee today without even thinking about it with the leadership characteristics that she shows on the field uh, with the way that she plays with the way that she leads with the way that she plays without even thinking about it. And it's just insane that you have, Becky Sauerbrunn and, and 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 Christine Sinclair and Crystal Dunn and like yeah I mean you could go to you 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 could you have half a dozen other captains on, on that roster. On a normal roster, though, a coach would slap the arm band on on Sam Coffey and say, "You've got the keys. Go drive my team." Uh, and and I think even notwithstanding having half a dozen other captains on this roster, Sam Coffey is still driving this team. Uh, and that is really impressive. One other person that I wanted to shout out, who I think has had a couple really tremendous performances, had an amazing assist last night on Olivia Moultrie's goal, and that's Rocky Rodriguez. Rocky's had kind of a a, a, a an up and down season, um, and has had some mo- some moments in which she struggled. I think she's in really good form right now, and I think uh, the the performances against the current and and against the and, and against the Rossing Louisville, uh, <laughs> uh, the, those two performances in a row, uh, have been tremendous, uh, from, from Rocky, some of the best stuff we've seen all year. Uh, and, and, and I think if, if Rodriguez is playing well, if Sam coffee is playing the way she has been, uh, if crystal Dunn is coming back into the team, I mean, if you have these things coming together, that's why this thorns team, I think is the favorite to, to win the shield. Uh, and I think the favorite, uh, in the end to, to, to win the title, even if there are other teams that I think are very, very good and could very easily knock them off. Absolutely. I, I, I want to
0: end the thorns segment on that positive note, but, I would be remiss if if I did not address the um, enormous whistle-bearing elephant in the room, which is uh, the, the challenges, for lack of a better term, that NWSL officials have had uh, in the last several games, particularly when it comes to the Thorns. Uh, Sophia Smith is just getting hammered out there. She... Talked about it last night about the fact that she can't really think about it. She just has to kind of accept that she's going to get fouled left and right. You know, she was skirting around, you know, trying not to get fined for saying what she really feels, which is that this is total BS and that she... Is being officiated like LeBron James right now, and that because she is so superior to her competition, the only way you can stop her is by physically assaulting her on the field, which is not what, what has been happening. And it's not getting called because I mean, the- it's not even
1: like it's not just not getting cards, it's not getting called at all.
0: Yeah, it's not even a whistle. You know, there's no cards. There's no, um, there's no whistle. Period on these. And, and she's probably, you know, I, I think the number was 58 times that she'd been fouled in the last several games, not including last night. Last night could have put it up over 70 with the amount of times that she was getting thrown around out there. And I think that there were a lot of people uh, online who, you know, this is a rare occasion. But, you know, I think people online made very good points generally uh, when it came to this specific issue. Um, this is the type of thing that scares players away from the NWSL, period. This is the kind of thing that makes a, a player like Sam Kerr, and I'm not saying that this is why she left, but this is the type of, of thing that makes the uh, overseas play seem a little more attractive to somebody who may be considering their future career options because. I don't watch enough of those games to tell, but I can I can guess that their officiating over there protects the players in a much better and more robust way than the NWSL officials have, uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks that have seen, you know, some serious injuries, some dangerous plays, some suplex kicks to the chest, like the one that Kelly Hubley suffered in the game against uh, against Kansas City. Um, legs being taken out from under them. I mean, Sophia Smith has legitimate personal trauma when it comes to having her legs taken out. She, she broke, broke her leg, and broke her leg in college memory. in the exact way that she was taken out at K, at uh, KC. And she showed the video to people on Twitter as like evidence, like, see, this is scary. And of course it's scary because this is her livelihood and the longevity of her career that is on the line here. It's not just, you know, I think that referees generally have have the right moral perspective of, you know, people need to get on refs less and not dog them as much in life generally. I think that's more of a problem in like youth sports and other areas where the stakes are nowhere near as high and people just need to freaking relax. But when it comes to, you know, people's lives and livelihoods and the safety of of the players in a growing league that is trying to maintain its popularity and continue to capture the hearts and minds of fans. Uh, you're not helping yourself by having officials that are just completely in dereliction of their duty in these last several weeks.
1: The, so, you know, going, going back to the current game, the foul on Smith, that should have been a penalty. She was through on goal. Um, that i mean it was a, a clear cut penalty got to be called every every time clear cut penalty um uh, you know it's also denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity uh there's a good argument uh and 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 i actually appreciate there were a couple of folks i i i made the point that i thought it was it should have been dog so red uh the way that the the new relatively new i think it's a couple of years old uh no double whammy <laughs> rules of if it's a, if it's dog, so and a penalty, uh, in, if there's a genuine play on the, uh, if there's a genuine soccer play, they only give yellow, uh, the way that's being interpreted. It sounds like that probably should have been yellow instead of red. Uh, but frankly, I mean, it was, it was a hail Mary tackle at best. If it was a genuine soccer play, it was only barely. Uh, and it, it's a tackle that, that is very rarely going to be successful. Uh, and and you know was a, an obvious penalty, totally uncalled, nothing doing. the The suplex kick to Kelly Hubley, <laughs> the kick to the sternum, basically. Uh, I think is something that high, that is an anecdotal instance of something that is a huge and chronic issue in NWSL. I I, I tweeted a stat. That was wrong. Bad, bad Twittering from me. I said, okay,
0: you're, you're more allowed to make mistakes like that. (laughs) Look, I'm an
1: amateur. I just, I just like sit on my couch and tweet things. You're just some Uh, guy. Yeah. Just some guy. I tweeted a stat that was wrong. I tweeted uh, that there has only been one straight red card issue issued in all of NWSL this year. And I was wrong. There have been zero. The one that I thought was a straight <laughs> red card was actually a second yellow. There have been, there has not been a single straight red card issued in NWSL this year. Like just sit for a second. I'm going to be silent because I want you to just sit for a second and think about that. That shouldn't happen. Zero straight red cards issued in an entire season. Every team plays 22 games, right? Well, we're up to 12 teams. <laughs> so like do the math. 22 times 12 divided by two. There have been that many games. I'm not gonna do it now because I'm a lawyer. I'm terrible at math. There have been 132. That's no. 22 times 12 divided by two? That's yeah. It's more than that. It's is that right? Okay, maybe it's right. 132 games. I I like 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 I said, lawyer, terrible at math. Yeah. Uh 132 games in NWSL this year and there has not been a single straight red card issued to any player in any of those games. These are full on professional adult competitive soccer games, zero straight red cards. There's no flipping way that that's right. Yeah, there's no way like, like there's, these are professional competitive athletes that are playing hard and that's not to say that like the I mean red cards just happen because they're they're professional competitive games. And red card situations happen. And I'm not I you know I don't we have, cast we have sort seen of We've seen them right, in the last few them. weeks. I'm not casting moral aspersions on 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 the people who commit these red cards. There's just an unavoidable number of them that just happen in this environment. 132 games with zero? And this isn't the first season that have had results like this where you've had one or two straight red cards issued over the entire course of a season in the entire league. No flipping way. Is that right? And I think if you're at the NWSL office, if you're with pro you've got to be looking at this saying there is something really fundamentally wrong with the way these games are being called. Because, of course, these situations are happening. There's nothing about women's soccer that makes it so that red cards never happen at all. And I I am not nearly smart enough and not nearly involved in this enough to get in and diagnose what the problems are. But the people who are smart enough and are qualified to do it and are involved enough need to be diving deep on this now. Because... This is, this isn't even close to plausible. It's not like they're missing a few. They're missing all of them, all of them, every single one. And the suplex kick to Kelly, how do you miss that? And I I think people are going to say, well, they need VAR. Probably do. That is probably a tool that they need to implement in order to correct some of these. But that's a Band-Aid for what is an underlying disease. And they need to do whatever is going wrong that is keeping referees, highly trained referees, from missing these situations on the field. And so I'm I'm not going to say that this is an individual referee problem because it's clearly not. This is clearly a fundamental, systemic problem in NWSL that needs to be fixed because I think you're exactly right. And I think the others who have commented on this are exactly right to say that this is a player safety issue. That's going to turn players off from coming to NWSL because it's freaking Thunderdome out there and, and referees aren't doing what you would expect soccer referees do to govern that and, and, and to have the guardrails on these professional competitive games where athletes are putting their careers and their bodies on the line to play in. So this is something that, that, that just can't be ignored. And I don't know how it's gone on this long without being, being, you know, the subject of discussion. And, and, and I wear my own stuff with that too, given that I have a podcast and I haven't yelled about it until today, but like this needs to be red alert time and, and that needs to be fixed. That's the end of my rant. I fully agree.
0: And I'm glad that we addressed this, and we will continue to address it if it continues to be a problem. You know, we will use our platform accordingly. Um, I will move us on, however... To the <laughs> final goodness. final segment uh chris we, is done yelling chris is done <laughs> moving on my gosh i can breathe again um so the, <laughs> the some viewers or rather listeners uh they are not viewing we are us. the only two viewers to be yeah clear. We, we're the only two that <laughs> see the video portion maybe next year we'll uh we'll have better cooler backgrounds and maybe post some youtube videos and stuff uh, honestly the
1: visuals are pretty pretty bleak yeah, the You're visuals are bleak. Anything.
0: It's just it's just my the like the the wall behind me and then like a Game of Thrones sword that's like hanging on the wall.
1: The Game of Thrones sword is appropriate for an NWSL cell podcast.
0: Yeah, seriously. Bring out the sword and the shield, if you will. Um so the
1: Correct.
0: yeah. <laughs> Starting out with the questions here, uh what's the latest on natural grass at Providence Park? Will we ever see the US women's or men's national team play in Portland again? Um, my understanding of the lack of natural grass at Providence Park is that there's um, specific plumbing issues beneath the stadium that lead to it requiring turf, and that there would be a great deal of problems were they to install grass. And it may be a if they were to to try and go that route, it may be a pretty expensive endeavor to, to rearrange things as such. Um, so I, I don't think that that's a, a near term possibility really.
1: I'm also pessimistic, but I will say this, I, cause I, you know, when, when, when I was on the, the, uh, on this subject fuller time, uh, I, I talked to a decent number of people about this. Um, uh, at that time when Portland state football was still playing there regularly, uh, it was acknowledged that there were a number of other challenges, including the water table and the plumbing issues that you just referred to, uh, but that at, in the end, the thing that killed it was Portland State football, that in light of all of that, they couldn't have uh, you know, football being played there regularly while maintaining a reasonable quality surface in light of the other challenges. But the implication was that if Portland State football went away, it would be difficult to be sure, speaking to those issues that you just raised, but not impossible. Uh, I've I haven't heard anything that anything with that has changed. Uh that it it is difficult but not impossible. And so I'll say this Portland State football is long gone. Uh which is which is a good thing for the for for the stadium. It was it was not a relationship that was working out. And uh and so now it's difficult, but we can do hard things. And they should do it. They should make the investment to do it. It's it's important. It's important for having the national team back in Portland. We are we we will be this time next year we'll be celebrating a decade without any national team game being played in Portland and I think the I think USSF needs to uh needs to wear a decent amount of that but I also think uh you know turf is an obvious deterrent there whether it's rationally a deterrent or not you know that's that's a, another discussion but it's ob- obviously a deterrent there and uh, and, and celebrating that decade of the national team having no presence in Portland uh, will not be a happy celebration. And I also think it's, it's, it it is just, it's, it's a preferable surface. And so if it can be done, uh, the Timbers and Thorns are a big club and they need to make the investment to do it.
0: Definitely. Uh, next question was about your tweet regarding the three indispensable elements to playoff success being, you know, Solid defense, very good DP play and quality on set pieces. Uh, someone asked, uh, what is the larger offseason need? Strengthened defense, like an upgrade for Mabiala and then a replacement for JVR? Or is it those improved DPs? And I think I know your your answer to this question.
1: Yeah, I mean, the answer is, why don't we have both kind of thing? They probably do need to go out and get another center back. Uh, but that's it's a lower order problem. Uh, I think when you look at the way the Timbers have defended it over the course of this, this last half of the season, there have been blemishes, but it's it's not been bad. They've been solid. Uh, so I don't think that's the area of weakness. It's the DPs. That's, yeah. that's where the Timbers are, are in the bottom third of the league of production in that category. I think that's, a, that's ultimately the delimiting factor uh, in terms of the Timbers' uh, likelihood of, uh, of, uh, of success in the playoffs. And so that's the, that's the the one that really, really needs to be solved. And is it possible to do both financially in your Probably is? I, I mean, okay. you know, in theory, if, if they move on from, from Jimmy Chara and if they move on from Yaroslav Levnish going out and getting two DPs is a salary cap neutral move. Uh, So, you know, a, if they're also going to be moving on from Mabiala, who makes a decent amount of money, there should be a, a a pocket of money in which they can go out and get another center back, you know, who, who would, who would not be a frivolous cap hit. Uh, so, you know, they need to do, make those moves well. And yes, it's going to be a very busy offseason. season. Uh, but I think doing both is, is possible. Uh, it is though just a lot, frankly, to have on the technical staff's plate uh, to, to, to accomplish over a relatively short time.
0: This is a question that I was not going to um, address, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Uh, with You're like, Chris is in a spicy mood. Let's, uh, let's, let, let's give him something. Yeah. Uh, you might, might not want to speak on this, but I will uh, with, with, Robert Sarver uh, selling the Suns and Mercury, what would it take for MLS to force Merritt Paulson to sell the Timbers and Thorns? Uh, I can tell you MLS is nowhere near at a point in my understanding where they would make Merritt Paulson sell uh, the the Timbers. They don't really have jurisdiction when it comes to the Thorns. but. Merritt Paulson and Hank Paulson have deep, long-standing ties in Major League Soccer, uh, particularly Hank, who is is a very influential individual, and Merritt is one of the most influential owners with a strong relationship with Don Carver. Uh, he's not going to sell the Timbers, and he's not going to sell the Thorns either. Uh, none of the you know issues that are very real and very prevalent off field uh, that this club has faced have, have risen to the level where that is, is really a consideration. If, if what would it take Uh, it would take more serious issues than um, even have already occurred. It would take an additional level of um, transgression from the club and, and from somebody like Merritt Paulson specifically for that to occur Uh, right now. That is in my understanding, really not a distinct possibility.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll leave comment about the, the timber situation and I have to leave comment about the timber situation to you and others. Uh, I will only say, uh, thank goodness that Sarver is going to sell that team. Uh, that is, that is important. And for the NBA, it's also important for sports. Right. Move. Definitely something
0: that was, you know, shocking that that was not the the initial uh push by the NBA but you know public pressure allowed that to to continue to happen and and good good on the NBA players for raising their voices uh to to make sure that the right thing happened there uh when will Nwsl implement uh var we just talked about that a little bit um hopefully soon because that'll help out the uh people who are clearly struggling with uh with their eyeballs and the the using of them and the the, the blowing of the whistle and everything else um, what do you think about Marvin Luria as a wing back I I think that he's he's done well I, I think he's somebody that you can trust in that position in the same way that you you can kind of envision um you know Dyrone Esprit was was kind of in that type of spot here and there Santi Moreno's played it Santi game. Moreno has done a lot of that um I, I think that Moreno would be better served elsewhere yes yes, uh, yes 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 but but yes I I I I like Marvin next year as somebody that could be a relatively consistent contributor there the question is you know
1: where does he fit in yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of development that that probably needs to be done there in order to have him comfortable as a wing back on on, you know, a more regular basis. Uh but just Sort of generally with Luria, I think he's done a really nice job this year of proving that he can be a really valuable, flexible piece for the team that can come in, that can play a couple different roles, uh, and that can be you know a solid contributor off the bench. So good on him for, for carving out his role. I, I think he's the kind of guy that you would look to and, and say you want on the roster in 2023.
0: Definitely. And, and last question that I'll touch on here that I got from a couple of people, uh, they were asking about Christine Sinclair's role with the Thorns and what that should look like going forward. Should she be in the starting 11? Um, I think that what Portland did last night against Louisville was the right approach. Bring her off a be- off the bench as a kind of super sub. Uh, I think that somebody like Moultrie, like uh, Hina Sugata, um, those players are are really able to fill those roles well. Rocky Rodriguez is another one that has, as you mentioned, uh, is in great form. I think those are the players that should start. Sink is a legend, and that's not discounting everything that she and a leader, and and that's not discounting what she means to this team and and to the game more broadly. But um, it it's clear at this point in the season and at this point in her career that um, I think she would be better served coming off the bench and and being somebody that could finish out a game uh, for the thorns in a playoff situation where, you know, it's more than likely going to be a tight game down the stretch. And so what better person to have with fresh legs coming off the bench than the goat. Right. I I, I think that she's willing to accept a role like that too. It's not like she's got any ego issues here. She's one of the most humble and, and team oriented individuals in sports. So I, I, I think she's best served there.
1: I agree entirely, especially moving into the playoffs. Uh, you know, when 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 games get really tight, Christine Sinclair is exactly the kind of person that you'd like to be able to be bringing into the game rather than bringing out of the game. Uh, when when the pressure is the highest uh, and and when things are tight and you need somebody who who has been through uh, something like that a few times before, so I agree that I think that role makes the most sense for her uh, as we enter the stretch run uh, of the final two games of the regular season and, and into the playoffs. But it's also, I mean, it's just also challenging sometimes from a coaching perspective to pull somebody who's been that much of a leader and that much of a legend. Again, uh, uh, with a nod back to the Big Ten, who thought about naming their their divisions the leaders and legends. Uh, Christine Sinclair is both; she would have been in both decisions uh, divisions. Um, it is difficult though to to bring uh, to bring somebody like that out of the lineup sometimes, just because they are so central to you know, not even necessarily kind of the 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 External X's and O's soccer dynamic, but just the dynamic of the team as a whole. So I understand if that's a little bit harder move for Reen Wilkinson to make than it is for uh, two dudes doing a podcast on a Thursday morning. Uh, but for for from my perspective, doing a podcast on a Thursday morning, I agree. That is the role that makes the most sense to me.
0: Yeah, I think start Rocky or start Moultrie or, or both uh, and and then find a way to get her in in the last 20, 25 minutes is, is your best bet if you're the Thorns, so... Uh, That will wrap it up for us here on Soccer Maiden Portland. Uh, For my pal Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating wherever you may podcast. And uh, enjoy the remainder of this week because it's going to be a little little less stressful than maybe the next few weeks will be for fans of PTFC. So uh, have a good one, y'all. Thanks for listening.